0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and this podcast is sponsored by Dreamland Baby Co. I want to introduce you to a product that hundreds of thousands of parents are using to help their babies sleep, the Dreamland Baby Weighted Sleep Sack. It started with Tara, a mom just like you and me, who couldn't get her baby to sleep. She was exhausted, frustrated, and in search of answers. Her solution? To create a weighted sleep sack that your baby can safely wear to help them feel calm, fall asleep faster, and stay asleep longer. Genius. The award-winning shark tank and doctor approved Dream Weighted Sleep Sack features Cover calm technology, evenly distributing weight from baby shoulders to toes that naturally reduces stress, allowing your little one to relax and sleep soundly. Parents worldwide are using the Dream Weighted Sleep Sack to help their newborns to age three get the sleep they need. So if you have a baby that's having difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, this is the safe, effective product of your dreams. 3 and 30 listeners get 20% off site-wide by using code 3in30 at checkout. Go to dreamlandbabyco.com and enter the discount code 3in30 at checkout. Welcome to 3 and 30 a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I want to start today's episode with a little story time. As a former high school English teacher and an avid reader and children's book collector, I love to read aloud. So I'm going to read you a little excerpt. This is the opening scene of the novel, Yours Truly, Thomas, and it ties in perfectly to what we are going to be talking about in our episode today. So here we go. That's love? Candy? She looked at a stack of letters, wishing she could read them. Surely they had a simpler explanation. Yes, that and so much more. "'Love's, well, love is candy "'and walks underneath a starlit sky. "'It's babies, and it's trying to make "'the other person's life better. "'It's many things.' "'Her father tapped the tip of her nose, "'which made her smile. "'Was that love, too? "'You should believe in love,' he continued. "'It's real. "'It's all around you, just in different forms. "'You'll see as you grow. "'You'll realize that not all love "'looks like the love I have for your mother. "'Don't you worry. "'I'll be here to teach you all about love.' "'He stood up with the letters in hand.' I better go tell your mother that you're not lost. She worries about you. Penny rolled her eyes. I don't know why. Her worrying? That's love, too, he said. I'm not sure I like that kind of love. I want dancing and ball gowns and candy love. She stood and brushed the dust from the front of her dress. You'll look lovely in a ball gown, and there's nothing wrong with sweets every now and then. But keep your eyes open, he winked at her. You don't want to miss the love that's perfect for you just because you're too busy searching for a fairy tale. And that is the opening scene of Yours Truly, Thomas, a love story written by my dear friend Rachel Fordham. Rachel and I got to know each other over 10 years ago when our husbands were in dental school at the same time. Since then, Rachel has gone on to become a writer with five published novels and an incredible mother to her six biological children and the foster children who enter her home for however long they need. One thing I've always admired about Rachel is her rock-solid relationship with her husband, Tyler, and I've often wondered how they manage to prioritize their marriage when they have such a busy life, especially in the last few years as they've become foster parents. I reached out to Rachel and asked her to come on the podcast to give us some takeaways for how she and Tyler live a beautiful love story every day. I especially appreciate how real she gets in this conversation about foster care and the impact of the unexpected on family life. As a heads up, there's a brief mention of intimacy in this episode, so if you're uncomfortable with your kids hearing that, put in headphones, and I apologize that Rachel's sound is occasionally a bit choppy. Her home internet wasn't working well, and so she had to go to her husband's dental office to record, and there was some stuff going on in the background at times. Very typical of a busy mom's life, am I right? We all get it. So with no further ado, here's my conversation with mother and author Rachel Fordham. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to 3 and 30. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, it's so fun for me to get to talk to you and learn from you today. We've been friends for over a decade now, and I've always really admired your marriage to Tyler. And I love that you are a writer now, and you write books about relationships and couples. And I thought I would have you on for Valentine's Day coming up, because you not only write about great love stories, but you live one. And so I'm just so excited to hear your takeaways for this topic.
1: Well, I am excited to be here. I definitely feel like, I mean, no marriage is perfect, right? But I feel like I get to live kind of like the romance novel that I'm writing, except that in real life, there's a lot of ordinary days. And when I do my writing, we leave those ones out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I know when we talked a little bit before your episode, you said it was surprisingly hard to narrow down. Like, what is it that makes our marriage strong, you know, and make it actionable? So, I'm just so excited that you were willing to try and give us these (laughs) takeaways and we can just jump in with your first one.
1: Okay. It's hard to put it in words, right? Like I told you, but I think it's about priorities, you know, and I was trying to think about that. So an example, when I started writing, I loved it. It was so fun. I actually started writing after having my fifth baby, which is a weird time to start writing like with a little baby. But I just felt like I needed this creative outlet. And my husband said, well, you read so much. Why don't you write a book? And I thought, yeah, I can do that. But then the question is, where do you fit it in, right? Mm. And so for me, I had to shuffle around my priorities. And at that time, I gave up TV. I wasn't a big TV watcher anyway, but I was like, that'll go. And I had to give up nap time, which that's that's a harder one to give up, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it let me have this creative outlet. And so I think in that instance, I shuffled things to make writing move higher up on the priority list but with marriage I think that it always has to be at the top of your priority list Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I think that you kind of have to give yourself permission to put it there Mm -hmm. and then sort of make peace with the fact that it's there and that other things might have to shuffle around depending on what's going on like I told you with writing writing got put on my priority list but when we started foster care I took in a little girl my first foster daughter who'd been living in a shed on the back of someone's property. It's like people hadn't really communicated with her. Just everything about her living in our home was like a foreign world to her. And it was the hardest parenting I've ever done. And I didn't write for a year because I shuffled my priorities. And she she went higher during that for a year. And I set this thing aside that I loved. So I think a lot of our priorities get to be moved around. But love and marriage and family need to always stay at the top. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be the most important thing, it has to be there.
0: Yeah. If you want it to be stable and steady. What mm-hmm. was that like for you and Tyler when you had that first foster placement and was it hard to keep your marriage at the top and day to day? What did that look like? How did you manage that new stressful thing in your family dynamics?
1: Well, so I've decided with foster care, there's a cycle. And maybe this is just me, but this is what I've seen with the different kids we've had. The first weekend is really fun because you're like, I want to show you all the new toys. And it's like being on a fun vacation. The kids are all excited to share with this new kiddo and, and they just know how to love and they're so good at it. And then after a few days, it's horrible for a month because it's like you've been on vacation a little bit too long and you're like, I want to go home and I want things to feel normal. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard because your house doesn't feel normal and it's your safe place. And you're like, what's that kid going to do? Are they going to wake up? Like even an easy kid, you're still kind of on edge and you feel like this is my house. I'm supposed to feel comfortable and so for about a month it's awful but I didn't recognize this cycle when I first had her and so it just felt like my world was falling apart and I'm like what have I done I don't know if you've seen instant family but there's a scene in that where they're like the rest of our lives is gonna stink because we've done this and it sort of feels like that for about a month even with a really nice kid because it just feels it just doesn't feel safe you know in your own place and so mm. we'd never lived through that before Tyler and I were both definitely on edge with each other it was like how do we do this and we definitely had to communicate a lot about that because he would be like I think there's a number we can call and someone will pick her up <laughs> but I was still in this and not that he necessarily wanted to to quit but he's like what are we doing And I was very like no I committed I'm gonna follow through and Anyways, it was rough for about a month, but thankfully I feel like we got some real inspiration on how to parent her because she was almost five, but she acted like a, kind of like a two-year-old. And I just had this moment where I just thought, parent her where she's at. And so I started carrying her around like a two-year-old and getting out my baby board books and doing those with her. And we just started hitting milestone after milestone. And I think once we started seeing progress and we started knowing that she would stay in her bed at night and things that we didn't know, then it started getting better, but As far as us keeping our marriage a priority during that, it included a lot of conversations where we had to say, you know, this is taking a lot of our time. Can we do this together? This is what I need. So it was really a communication thing. And it it wasn't always easy, especially that first month. Then it started getting better because we sort of started meshing together and it felt exciting to see her progress. And we got on the same page. I literally asked him at one point, I said, I think that you and I can do anything for a month. (laughs) why don't we give this child a month? And if after a month, we still feel like we're going to lose our minds, then we can quit. And once he agreed to that, and he decided to be all in a little bit more, we were good.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing the hard realities of it, of not only foster care, but also of the push and the pressure on your marriage. Because whether or not people are doing foster care, I think we can all relate to that feeling of you really want something for your family and your spouse doesn't, necessarily agree and you have to come together. And not that Tyler didn't agree. I know you guys made the decision to be foster parents together, Mm -hmm. but thank you for giving that insight into you're both in this hard place and you're kind of at different places of what you should do about it, you know? And I love that idea of sort of compromising in a way and coming together as a team. Like you said, I know we can do anything together for this length of time Mm -hmm. instead of it continuing to be something that is dividing you, kind of making a plan together.
1: And I think going back to just the priorities I did, that's what it is for everything. You know, when I decided to write, it took up me saying, you know, this is important to me. How can we fit it in? And he's a dentist and he actually works one fewer day than he used to so that I can just have that day to write. But if I hadn't said that, then bitterness and stuff could grow. You know, he tries to tell me what his priorities are and I tell him. And I think we also have to accept that, like, they change. My priorities aren't the same as when I was... 19 and we met or 20 when we got married or 21 when I had our first kid where it's been 17, 18, I don't know how many years now. Yeah. Longer and then it's changed. And I think that having that conversation often about what do you need to give more time to, what do your priorities look like right now? It has to happen if you're going to be able to really support each other through busy, crazy, chaotic times. Yeah.
0: Well, and you mentioned there that you've changed a lot, as you should, and he Mm -hmm. has as well over the years that you've been together, Mm -hmm. and so that leads really well into your second takeaway.
1: Yeah, so it's fun because I write romance novels, which... I always feel like there should be like more than one category because romance novels like scream like Like steamy. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I know. When I said that in the introduction, I was like, should I say wholesome romance (laughs) novels or almost like old fashioned? Yeah. Are all of your books set
1: in old fashioned? Um, So far, I have some contemporaries coming out in the future, but right now they're all historical, but they're all like sweet romance. Anyways, but I get to spend a lot of time thinking about butterflies in your stomach and those kind of things, which is a lot of fun. But... I always worry a little bit as I'm writing these falling in love stories, because here's my second takeaway. Love isn't always butterflies and roses, and that's okay.
0: Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, the world's largest provider of counseling done 100% online. In this episode, we're talking all about how to prioritize your marriage, and one of the best ways to do that is to go to counseling, either individually or as a couple. I have spent many sessions with my online counselor talking through the ups and downs of my marriage, and she has taught me communication skills as well as tools for emotional resilience so the daily stresses of life don't impact me so much, which inevitably reflects in my happiness at home. BetterHelp Online Therapy offers both couples counseling and individual counseling, and either one of those will greatly improve your marriage as you learn to see yourself more clearly and gain tools for mental wellness. Counseling is truly a gift to your marriage and to your entire family unit, and you can get started today by filling out their intake questionnaire at BetterHelp.com slash 3 30 so they can match you with the right counselor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and 3 and 30 listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash 3 30 That's betterhel dot com 3 30 This podcast is sponsored by Anna Luisa Jewelry. I'm so excited about this new sponsor of the show that crafts high quality jewelry pieces at affordable prices starting at only $39. I recently got their scarlet earrings and I am obsessed. They are small gold hoops, but each earring is double layered with one hoop slightly bigger than the other and a bit of space between them. It adds so much unique dimension and interest to a classic style that you can wear with literally everything and dress up or dress down. Just this past week, I chose these earrings for a date night dinner out with Ryan, as well as for a doctor's appointment that I had to run Noah to. They truly go with everything, and that is true of all of Ana Luisa's timeless jewelry, including their layering necklaces, rings, bracelets, and earrings. To see the scarlet earrings that I love and so many other versatile styles of jewelry, go to shopanaluisa.com slash 3 30 That's shop A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash 3 30 I love that their company is carbon neutral from their packaging to their products. They care about their impact on the planet, and that means a lot to me as a customer. Get yourself and your loved ones the perfect gift with up to 40% off at Anna Luisa Jewelry. Check out shop a-n-a-l-u-i-s-a dot com slash three and 30 for up to 40% off. I know you'll love them.
1: Here's my second takeaway. Love isn't always butterflies and roses, and that's okay. So even though I spend a lot of time writing that, and I think that is a real part of one of those phases of love and marriage, it's not all of it. and It can look so many different ways. And I really want to write a romance that takes place in the 30s, you know, when they've been married for 15 years, because that is like a beautiful kind of love too. And, yeah. you know, the media telling people that it has to be like, your hand tingles or whatever, you know, forever is is kind of an unrealistic expectation for people. And I think sets a lot of people up for disappointment.
0: Yeah. Well, I know you and I both love the book, These Is My Words. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that is that it does show their marriage and their family life after the sort of courtship and the butterflies and the romance. And yes, I agree you should write a book like that. We need
1: that. <laughs> so that to be your next project. It's going to go up on the priority list now, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: perfect. And how has this manifested for you and Tyler? How does it look different now than it used
1: to? Well, I think it's just, it's always evolving and changing. Like I said, with the first foster daughter, I could have cared less if he brought me home roses in the middle of that. I mean, I'm not really a roses girl anyway, like bring me a novel, right? But I didn't need gifts in that time. The most loving thing he could have done for me was when he would say, why don't you go grocery shopping without me? <laughs> you know, I'll stay home with the kids. And, you know, and then other times, like we had a son who went through a really huge medical crisis. And at that time, we just took turns being the strong one and having the other one cry on our shoulders. That was that was what love looked like at that time. And it was beautiful. Like it was just as beautiful as butterflies and roses, right? Mm-hmm. It was two people coming together and, and leaning into each other, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that when we start looking for love and it's all of its shapes and forms, we realize that there's so much more of it around us than we thought. So I actually feel like I kind of figured that out a little bit, not in like a romantic sense, but when I was a teenager, my dad... My dad's amazing, but he is not, I love you kind of guy. And he's just not. And I remember being a teenager and kind of wishing he was like feeling jealous of people who had, you know, like their parental love being shown in a different way. It felt Mm -hmm. like I didn't have that. And I remember he was taking me and my sister to college and he dropped my sister off first. And I was just kind of in a bratty mood. And I said, Well, you just dropped her off and you're not going to see her for a couple months and you didn't even tell her that you love her. And so then when he dropped me off, he kind of gave me this awkward, like, Love you, kid, (laughs) Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I remember walking into my apartment and being like, I had just gotten what I'd always wanted, right? And I just remember having this really distinct thought of, you already knew he loved you. And Mm -hmm. I just started thinking of all these ways. Like, I mean, my dad—he's a woodworker, and he'd make us homemade furniture for Christmas, and he would go to all of our sporting events. And and I just remember thinking all of these things. And I'm grateful for that moment because. I think in my marriage, I've been able to look for love in different ways. And so Mm. I don't expect it to have to look like the media does because I learned that lesson that it can look so many different ways. And I just think that we should all train ourselves to just look for it because we find what we're looking for so often.
0: Yeah. I actually have a podcast episode called Mm -hmm. How to Accept When Your Spouse Doesn't Speak Your Love Language, Mm -hmm. and it's one of my most downloaded ever because I think people really resonate with that, and one of the takeaways in there is to look for the way that they're showing you love, even if it's not your way. You know, Ah. as you know my Ryan, he -hmm. is a man of very few words. He's very (laughs) quiet, and I'm Mm -hmm. talkative, and I love words of affirmation, and I just wish that he would, you know... (laughs) Drown me in praise every day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He's never going to do that. And I had to let go of that and see all of the ways that he shows me that he loves me every day. And I talk a little bit more about that in that episode. I'll link it in the show notes because I think it goes along exactly with what you're saying here.
1: Yeah. And it just makes life so much better when we stop expecting, I mean, and really. Like, who said that one form of love is superior to another? I mean, my dad loving me was really deep. I know I could turn to him at any time if I needed something. Like, he loves me. Mm -hmm. And Tyler, you know, we both speak it a little bit differently. And I've noticed that if I start to feel like something's lacking in our marriage, if I just change my mindset and start looking for love versus the opposite, I find it and I see it there. I remember when we were newlyweds, we were hanging out with a lot of other newlyweds and a lot of the women would get together and kind of husband bash. And I think they were training themselves to look for negative in their spouse. It's like, oh, when I get together with the girls, I want to have the best story of where my husband's lacking. And it even had a little bit of an allure to me, I guess. I kind of gotten it a little bit, but not really, because it felt icky to me Mm. pretty quickly. And I made a conscious choice because I think we can do that. We can consciously say, I'm not going to go down that road. And I thought, no, I'm going to look for good in my husband because I'm with him. I'm committed to him. I'm all in. How is this alternative going to help me? And I think that that was also a big defining moment because I don't look for fault in my spouse. You know, sometimes inadvertently you'll notice things, but ironically, so many of the things that I probably could have gone to those girls nights and been frustrated with have actually turned into some of our strengths in marriage as we've gotten to like a deeper place Things where he felt so different than me, like this man cannot handle when something bad happens to our kids. And I could be like, oh, he's just, he's failing. He can't be strong for them. And then I think, but because of the way I've learned to look at him, I see it as he just really loves them and he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And so the kids get to see his heart while I'm being a rock and really Mm -hmm. they need to see both of that. And so a lot of the things that seemed like weaknesses or shortcomings actually are just us balancing each other. Yeah. How has the way
0: that you live your love out day to day changed over the course of your marriage? Like with date nights and intimacy and all those things like newlyweds to now, how does that work when you have six plus kids and busy lives?
1: Right. Well, obviously I think you have to make peace with the fact that you're probably not going to have sex as often when you've been married for 18 years as when you were newlyweds and that maybe that's okay too, like quantity, quality, like who says one is better than the other? But why can't it be romantic to do things and have kids around too? Like, I just think that a lot of it is giving yourself permission to just embrace the different phases of life that you're in. And I was going to do this for kind of my number three takeaway, which is just that little things matter. And so some of the things that we do, like, for example, I write romance novels. We're going to call them sweet romance novels. Let's go with that. <laughs> okay. So I write sweet romance novels. And sometimes I'm over sitting on the couch working and he's overdoing his own thing and we have these two parallel things going on for that evening but I can choose to include him in what I'm doing and so I think some of it is just figuring out what your busy things are and like how do they fit into that puzzle so he loves it when I'm like you know you have to describe things in a novel so I'll be like I want you to show me what it looks like when you're frustrated and he'll make a frustrated face I'm like okay thanks you're like hold that hold that I'm writing I'm writing it down Right. Exactly. And so then he thinks it's funny because he'll be like, but do you need to write a kissing scene? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I need to write a kissing scene. And he's like, let's (laughs) practice and you can see what it's like. you know." So I've made the choice to include him in that and he's made the choice to include me. So some of the things that seem like they're just our thing don't have to be. They can be together things, at least to some degree, right?
0: Yeah. And even just talking about your work professionally, Mm -hmm. even if you can't Bring them into it, you know, just telling them about your day and your ups and downs, I think can be really powerful. Oh, for sure. So you're not living parallel
1: lives. And not just the bad things. Like I told him, he is a dentist and he's an excellent dentist, but sometimes I'm his sounding board because he's really positive at work. And so he'll call me when it's all the frustrating things, which I want to hear those things too. But I finally had to tell him, I said, I worry about you at work because you call me and tell me all. The hard things, which is fine, but will you tell me the good things too? And so now he's made a habit of calling me and saying, I just had the cutest patient. And I actually think he's happier because I want to be there for his hard things, but also like share the joys and the triumphs. And if I get an offer for a different novel, um, he's the first person I want to text. And- mm
0: mm-hmm
1: celebrate with yeah and then some of the things that make us busy you know you can combine love with why can't we change our mindset to think that washing dishes side by side is romantic it can be if we just tell ourselves that it is and we make the effort to connect or put on a song in the background that we both love and can act silly too, you know just a lot of things can go together that we don't think can right Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then like on more practical things when I was actually I think it was when we were in Buffalo so when we were all in dental school not us. We didn't go to dental school. When our husbands went to dental school, um, <laughs> I remember I was, like, listening to the radio, and some girl was talking about how she – I think it was on Valentine's Day, but she's talking about, like, this love journal idea and how she gave her husband a journal, and they pass it back and forth. And I remember we had just read These Is My Words, and I had thought it was the most beautiful love story And I remember thinking, I want my kids to know my love story. And so I gave Tyler a journal and I wrote in it and I was like, I want us to like pass this back and forth and try to capture some of our love because we feel it, but I want our kids to have this example, right? Um, We, it's been, I don't know, over a decade, probably longer than that. Yeah, probably more like 13 years or something. And we just pass it back and forth. And sometimes it's a... I'm sorry journal. And sometimes it's a, I can't wait till you get home tonight journal. And sometimes it's a, you know, this day was just so special. I want to remember it. And so that's just like a little practical thing that I think has been really sweet. It's kind of like your flexible journal, which I love and I've been doing and everybody should go get it (laughs) because it's awesome. So it's sort of like that. Yeah.
0: And is that the same, are you still writing in the same book from 13 years ago?
1: We filled up multiple okay. at this point. And sometimes there's like six months in between it. And then other times it's like bam, bam, bam. And it's just been a cute little fun way to just connect, connect and show love to each other.
0: And record it for your kids, like you said.
1: And that's what I wanted because I really feel like I'm living out this love story. And It's full of messy, hard things. I mean, some of the journal entries that we wrote back and forth when our son was going through his medical crisis, they're heartbreaking, but that's part of our story. And I want our kids to know that we loved each other through that. Mm -hmm. And our love looked incredibly different at that point in those trying times. But like, Mm -hmm. that is a beautiful part of our love story too. And so that's something that has been a really good thing. I also, (laughs) I was thinking how we all make new year's goals and stuff. And for the last, I don't know, a long time I've had on my phone, a habit tracker and it kind of goes back to the priorities. So I don't try to track unrealistic things, but I just have on there reminders of the things that are most important to me. And not because I want my phone telling me, Oh, you need to go show love to your husband, (laughs) but because I'm telling my phone, this is important to me. And I want you to help remind me of Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And so every day I will be like, it's, I think it says like love service for Tyler or something like that will pop up on my phone and I can't cross it off until I've done that. It just reminds me to make that a priority because it is my priority. Yeah. And I want it to be there. And so then I will, you know, text him or pray for him or maybe do something bigger when he gets home. <laughs> I think that's been helpful because I have decided that that's important to me. And so.
0: Yeah. Anyways. I love that. Cause I feel like so often the things that are most important to us get lost in the mundane and the crazy and the busy of daily Uh life. And so making it a trackable habit or routine, a reminder, like you said, it doesn't mean that it's just a checklist item. It means that it's what matters most to you and you're going to treat it that way and have it be constantly top of mind for you.
1: Right. And at the end of the day, I know that those things that I've decided to put in there, scriptures and my spouse, are the things that at the end of the night are going to make my day better. Even if that means my lower things, maybe there's dishes in my sink, which drives me nuts, but maybe those are left. I'd still rather have those left than feel like I'm losing a connection to the person who's most important to me. Yeah. Well, Rachel, this has been beautiful. Thank you so much for your insights
0: into what real love, real life love, looks like. It's not a romance novel. It's even better than that. But if listeners want to get a hold of your romance novels, your sweet, clean, (laughs) old-fashioned romance novels, or they want to learn more from you, where can they find that?
1: Well, my novels are available everywhere. Books are sold. And I am on Facebook, Instagram, just Rachel Fordham. So come and find me.
0: Yeah. And we'll put the links to those in the show notes. This would be a really good time of year for Them to pick up a sweet love story and read it. When I read these as my words, I remember I was squealing and hugging Ryan while I was reading in bed and kissing him, and he was like, "What is happening?" Like, like, you know. So someone needs to grab one of your books and fall back in love with their life through reading it.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Rachel, for your friendship and for your time today for coming on Three and Thirty.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so grateful to my friend Rachel for her sage words of wisdom about real love playing out over a lifetime together, and I hope this episode inspires you with one or two actionable things that you can do to lean a little deeper into your marriage in whatever season of life you're in. As a reminder of Rachel's three takeaways, here's a recap. First, choose to prioritize your marriage. This will have to be conscious because life is busy and there will always be a million things pulling at your attention. In the season of life that you're in, what can you shift to make room for what matters most to you? What might you say no to because you care about your spouse more? Could you use a daily habit tracker to remind you to serve and connect with your spouse? Second, remember that love isn't always butterflies and roses, and that's okay. This week, I encourage you to look for the ways that your partner is showing you love in this current season of your life. Instead of focusing on what love should be, focus on what love actually is for your marriage right now. And third and finally, connect to your partner in small ways every day. This might look like involving each other in your work or at least talking to each other about it. It might look like doing the busy things of life side by side instead of always dividing and conquering. Or it might look like taking the time to write them a quick note in a love journal or on a sticky note on the mirror, just as a reminder that you love them. I hope this episode was a reminder to you of the goodness of realistic everyday love. I know it was for me, and it was so fun for me to prepare it during the week leading up to Valentine's Day. I don't know if you know this, but in the show notes of every episode, I include three related episodes to the topic. So if you enjoyed this episode today about building connection with your spouse, you can look at the show notes to find a suggestion for three more episodes that touch on different aspects of this topic. To further your learning about it. And again, I do that for every single episode. So you can always go. It's kind of like a little listening guide or map for how to learn more. As always, I'm rooting for you. I believe in you. And I hope you have a beautiful
1: week with your family.